I think less common are the analytical meditations, but that's probably something that's unfortunate because I think they're very useful. Can you speak a little bit more about what those are, analytical meditations? Yes. Maybe uh, first to tell you that there is, if you start out doing a meditation on the breath, you'll reach a stage where your mind, where your attention becomes very stable. And that's, that is a good place to begin analytical meditations. Because otherwise, you do an analytical meditation, which is sitting there thinking. And, you know, the common experience is you decide to sit, it up, sit down and think about something, and your mind doesn't quite know where to stop, and you end up going all over the place, and often you totally lose track of what it was, the problem that you were trying to figure out. So it's, uh, there is, in terms of mental training, a particular level of attentional stability that's very conducive to doing contemplation or analytical meditation so that you can stay focused on the particular uh, thing that you're meditating on. And then there is a a simple little method that has four parts to it. And it's very interesting. We find it both in uh, Eastern traditions and it's also found in Christianity where it's called the Lectio Divina. Uh, And I don't know whether at some point way back in history that there was some contact because the similarity between them is remarkable. Both have the same four stages. The first is, uh, you know, prior to doing the meditation, you've selected the the subject of the meditation, the topic, and uh, usually you have, uh, you might have memorized a, a paragraph or you might have read something, uh, a, a, a piece of scripture, or read something that's on this particular topic and it's fresh in your mind. So then you sit down to meditate, and the first thing that you do is you just, if, if it's something you've memorized, you might repeat it in your mind, or if it's something you've read, you might just sort of review it. And the idea is that you're, you're looking for the beginning place. And there's two metaphors that are used to describe this. One is like you've got a, a, a ball of uh, golden thread that's all tangled up. And so you turn it around, you're looking for the end of the thread so you can begin to unravel it. And the other is that it's like there's a, a, a castle and it contains this wonderful treasure and you're, you're circling around it looking for an entrance for a way to, to get in. But as you as you sort of roll around the, the topic of your meditation in your mind, at some point something sort of grabs your attention and it is your it is your thread that's the beginning of the thread. So that's that's the first stage. And then the second stage of course is that you you begin to discursively analyze and, and uh, you know, think through the problem or examine the topic and looking for either some sort of 
resolution or some deeper understanding. And uh, when that occurs, that brings you to the third stage. In the third stage, what you do is you review exactly how you got to that understanding. So you sort of go back to, to the logical steps that brought you to that place of clarity or that place of resolution. And then in the fourth step, you just hold that understanding as an object of, uh, uh, as a meditation object and you just meditate on it for a period of time. Um, now, not always in the process of doing an analytical meditation will you arrive at the third stage where uh, you have, you have uh, something that you can say this is the result of. That's all right. When the bell rings, you get up and you go back to doing whatever you do. And very often, though, the understanding will come later on. So, what kind of a topic would you take? Well, uh, very good, very useful topics are things like what we've been talking about recently. You know the. Uh, the idea that uh, that you can describe everything that makes up uh, a person by uh, what the, the five aggregates or the five pandas, you know, which we've talked about recently. But. So that would be a very appropriate topic for what, what you might do is find something that somebody has written or listen to a Dharma talk on it and then sit down and just try to really understand. And you don't worry about whether you go through all five of them. If you only figure out one of them really clearly and understand exactly what's meant by that and you know what the ramifications are of it being included in this particular group and so forth. Uh, or it could be something more focused like uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, The, the first noble truth is, you know, the life is pervaded by suffering or dissatisfactoriness. And you could just sit down and that could be the subject of your meditation, your intellectual exploration. At some point, what all of these things, in uh, at least in terms of Buddhism, are directed towards, sooner or later you're focusing in on this question of, of the nature of the self. You know, and does the self, the way all my life I'm, I'm used to feeling I, I am this self, uh, does that really exist? And, and what am I? What, what, what is really there? And so that's a very uh, important and appropriate topic for this kind of meditation. But it's really broader than that. Anything could be. It could be more general. You could have a situation in your life and, uh, and uh, you could say about this situation that you've got, you've got to say, what would the Buddha do? And that would be that would be a good topic for analytical meditation. What if I want to do? What are the conflicts that I feel if I did this or if I didn't do that and so forth? And then try to put it in the context of, okay, so that's my feelings about it. What would the Buddha do? You know, what can you learn from? Uh, almost anything. This you could take the six perspectives one by one. 
you can take the six perfections one by one. As a matter of fact, uh, that is that's a very good practice that's often done as a part of preliminary meditation is to take the six perfections one by one and reflect on what they are, how they're how they're to be practiced, and how how well you have been practicing them. They have so many subtleties. Say so ill will, right. like we, we talked about ill will today, and you yeah. know you could spend a long time thinking of all the different kinds of ill will. Yes, that's and true. Very yeah. subtle yeah. ill wills. And, and that's the other thing that the, about these things is the kinds of topics we're talking about. You might the first time you hear about them or read about them, it might be, oh, yeah, I understand what that is, but. You know, what you'll discover over time is, yeah, there is so much more depth to it. There is so much more subtlety to it. And so sometimes you can take something that you think you're very familiar with and you understand quite well and, and uh, discover all sorts of new things. But one of the richest places to examine is taking any of these things as ideas, as abstractions, and applying them to the reality of life as we actually live it, you know. Uh, so I, a lot of times in the kind of discussions we have, Dharma talks about these things, it can be rather one-dimensional. It's sort of abstract, it's, it's intellectual, it's conceptual. Um, but if you add to it the, the, all of the other dimensions of your personal experience, your emotional life, your interactions with different people, you know, what does ill will mean in terms of the problem you have with your brother, your relationship with your neighbor, all these other kinds of things. Or with yourself. That's one where two, uh, there's a lot to be discovered there too, because it's easy to take these things and only project them outward and forget that we also have a relationship with the person that we are too. We also uh, judge, criticize, uh, have all sorts of uh, ill will and negative emotions regarding ourselves. And that's a legitimate topic, topic of contemplation. Yes, yes, abs- absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Jim, now that that's a rather advanced meditation technique just for the simple reason that most people, until they've trained their mind to a certain degree, can't, don't really have much luck at just being able to do that. They get swept away, carried away. And, you know. But uh, in terms of that category of, of meditations that the primary intent of which is to gain insight and understanding. Uh, and uh, we find it in, in different cultures. 
the uh, just sitting practice or shikantaza practice of Zen is is one form of doing that. No particular object, but just staying right here in the present and just being with whatever comes up. And then uh, there's also uh, a form of it that's called Mahamudra, which um, presupposes that a person has already a, a great deal of mental stability and they've cultivated a very high level of, of conscious awareness. And what they do is that they make their mind open and expansive and just let whatever you know, sensation or thought, emotion, anything that happens to come up, just let it arise and pass away without pursuing it, without grasping onto it. Uh, so the, these are very powerful meditation techniques, but they uh, they can be quite difficult unless you first spend a little time doing another kind of training that settles your mind down a bit. I'm, I'm smiling because I didn't know there was a name for that. Yeah. And we had a teacher in, in Portland that oh, yeah. the object was just to sit. Yeah. Just sit. Just sit. And, and the focus to yeah. sit in that time. Like that. One of my problems is not giving it that time. Yeah, like a discipline. Yeah. yeah, it has names and it's uh, it has different names in different places. So. But yeah, the, that's uh, I, I believe, uh, if I understand correctly, that the literal translation of the Japanese Shikantaza is just sitting. I think that's what it. Is.